Here in the UK, the terms of Brexit dominates the headlines on a daily basis. Still bitter from the marginal vote to leave the EU, some who voted to remain appear to be seeking to put as many roadblocks in the way as possible. Petitions are being signed, demonstrations attended, and books written as pro-EU activists desperately seek to stop the juggernaut which is Brexit. In this week's Bible in the News, we consider the likelihood of Brexit being scuppered in the light of Bible prophecy. Currently, the British government and the EU are in negotiations to untangle Britain from the EU. Much work has to be done to detach the UK from the laws and obligations that have been entered into as part of the close relationship between the two parties. This is how the BBC reported on the situation this week. Quote, As it stands, the UK will leave the EU in March 2019, whether it agrees a deal on the terms of withdrawal or not. Prime Minister Theresa May has said she believes the two sides will reach a deal, but the UK must prepare for all eventualities. The so-called divorce bill, the amount the UK will pay to settle its liabilities when it leaves the EU, remains a major sticking point in negotiations. Hopes that negotiations would move on to Britain's future relationship with the EU this month were dashed after EU chiefs said more work was needed first on the divorce talks. Mr de Reink, an advisor to EU chief Brexit negotiator Michael Barnier, said sufficient progress is not far away, but the UK must now set out how it believes the divorce bill should be circulated to end the deadlock over money. In terms of the guidelines for the future relationship, as well as the possible transition, all of that can come very quickly, he said. End quote. And this week, the UK Foreign Secretary Boris Johnson was again in the headlines telling the EU to, quote, get on with Brexit, end quote. Also on the BBC this week, the BBC ran a headline, quote, Brexit, Theresa May says, important progress made at EU summit, end quote. So the politicians are forging ahead with the Brexit paperwork, but many are also at work attempting to stop it. Now, the notion that the people have spoken in the EU referendum and that therefore under the rules of democracy, Brexit should continue with all the authority of democracy is one which is constantly under challenge in some parts of British politics. The main sticking point is the question of what Brexit looks like and what deal Britain might do in regards to the terms of Brexit. Many so-called Remainers want to sink the Brexit ship and stay moored to the EU. Former Deputy Prime Minister Nick Clegg is one such Remainer. He has written a book entitled How to Stop Brexit and Make Britain Great Again, published on the 12th of October. The leader of the Green Party, Caroline Lucas, published an article in The Guardian this week entitled, quote, We must stop this tragic farce 
Brexit can be reversed, end quote. The Liberal Democratic Party are pushing for another final vote by the British public to agree, or not, the terms of the Brexit negotiations in an attempt to reverse the Leave outcome from the last one. And there is a track record in relation to the EU of democratic decisions being overturned by sheer persistence. For example, in 1992, Denmark voted against adopting the EU's Maastricht Treaty. With a few tweaks, though, the treaty was amended and another vote was held in 1993 and was carried. In 2001, in a referendum to approve the EU Treaty of Nice, the Irish voted 53% against. A few tweaks to the wording of the treaty took place and the vote was again put to the Irish people in 2002, along with a major educational campaign around the vote. Ireland then voted 62% in favour. Again, in 2008, Ireland voted against adopting the Lisbon Treaty. A few tweaks to the wording of the treaty took place and it was put again to the Irish public with an educational campaign in 2009 and the EU got the vote it was after the Irish voting in favour. And so this tactic of making a few tweaks and then having another vote until the answer comes out right in favour of the EU is then, in human terms, a very real possibility in terms of Brexit. As a side point, it might be worth observing that any vote in a sovereign nation which has gone in favour of the EU has never been rerun. Earlier this month, one MP, Sir Edward Lee, had written the following in a local paper in Gainsborough, to ease the worries of his constituency and make things clear on Brexit. Quote, I cannot emphasise enough that there is no going back on Brexit. We will be leaving the European Union completely, and there is no question about that. I have been one of the heartiest advocates of properly getting out of the EU and holding the government to account while this process is ongoing. A number of constituents have written to me under the misapprehension that traditional agreements somehow mean we won't be leaving the European Union or that somehow they will be used to sneakily create a situation whereby we leave in name only. I can reassure voters that this is not the case. I must emphasise to constituents that there is zero chance of our staying in the European Union. Transitional agreements will exist to help us to leave the EU, not to frustrate our leaving. No one has been clearer on this matter than the Prime Minister. Leave means leave, end quote. So there is then this division in UK politics at the moment. On the one hand, the people have spoken to leave and and the majority of the politicians are working to make that happen. But on the other hand, some politicians do not want this to happen and are seeking to reverse the vote, causing other politicians again in turn to defend democracy and the will of the people. Will Brexit be reversed is a question on the minds of those engaged in politics. 
By looking at the implications of Bible prophecy, though, we can confidently say that this is very unlikely and that Brexit will happen. The majority of those currently in power seem to be reluctantly accepting the vote of the people, even if they voted to remain. The basis on which the system works is democracy and the people voted out. To remain in power, the politicians therefore are, on the whole, following this route set out by the people that they are supposed to represent. Unlike Ireland that we looked at earlier, with its Catholic heritage and leanings to Europe, Britain's heritage is Protestant. In the backbone of the country is a spirit of independence from the continent and a reliance on Britain as a separate entity. This spirit stems right back to the days of Henry VIII and the Reformation, when England broke away from the authority of the Pope and the Roman Catholic Church to forge its own way in the world. These ancient political and religious undertones are not obviously in the public's consciousness, but certainly they seem to be there in an almost unconscious way, and no doubt will contribute to Brexit continuing to the conclusion which will see the British power outside of the EU. It is interesting to read an article recently published by The Guardian on the 27th of October entitled, quote, How the Reformation Sowed the Seeds of Brexit, end quote. Now, in this article, the author, Martin Kettle, states the following, quote, The deeper legacy of the English Reformation was the tradition of English exceptionalism, which dressed itself afresh in Britishness after the facts of union. In this tradition, England, or Britain, was different, separate, better, blessed and free from the rules that constrained others. It defined itself against Rome and ultramontane ideas of every kind. And that legacy has certainly not disappeared. Indeed, just when so many of the habits and manifestations of English Protestantism have continued to slip gently towards the ecumenical, multicultural oblivion, Henry VIII's legacy has summoned itself for one final contrarian outburst of the exceptionalist tradition. It has dumped us with Brexit. End quote. In this, God's hand can clearly be seen. He has been at work, unbeknown to the people involved down through time, to use the British power for his requirements. Britain and its Protestant spirit was heavily involved in spreading God's word in English across the globe through the British Empire. And this in turn led to Britain aiding the establishment of the nation of Israel, supported by Protestants who had grown up with Bible in hand and an understanding and sympathy of God's people, the Jews. It also led to the true gospel being rediscovered in the 1800s and defined in the book Elpis Israel in 1848 by John Thomas, who began the radical Christadelphian movement. Now, none of these things would have happened without the Protestant spirit of Britain. But there is more in relation to God's purpose with Britain. The connection with 
uh, Britain and the biblical nation of Tarshish has been well documented in recent years in the Bible magazine and on the Bible in the news. And if you'd like some more information on that, we've supplied a link to a, a couple of talks that were given at the time of Brexit in the website version of the Bible in the news, and also a link to a booklet that was produced um, in April last year before the Brexit vote. But as a short summary, consider the following which connect Britain with Tarshish. The Bible tells us that Tarshish was a people who descended from Japheth uh, and they emigrated across Western Europe and they are an island or coastal power. See Genesis 10 verse 4 to 5. It was a well-known maritime power, which you can read of in 2 Chronicles 9, 21, Psalm 48, verse 7, Isaiah 2, 16, and 23, verse 1, and 60, verse 9, and Ezekiel 27, 25. In ancient times, especially around the Bronze Age, around 900 to 600 BC, this power of Tarshish traded in global markets and particularly traded in the East, 2 Chronicles 9, verse 20 to 21. Another clue is that it was located to the far west of Israel, Jonah 1, verse 3. And at the time of Ezekiel, around, again around 600 BC, it was a source of silver, iron, tin and lead, and it traded with the ancient Phoenicians of Tyre, Ezekiel 27, verse 12. The Bible tells us that after the Phoenician city of Tyre was destroyed, which was around 300 BC, that Tarshish was to replace Tyre as the world's trading power in Isaiah 23, verse 6. It is a colonial power having political offspring in the latter days, Ezekiel 38, verse 13. And during these latter days, and that is the time when the Jews have returned to their land after the scattering of the Romans in AD 70. So in recent events, that would be post 1948, we would say we have entered the period known in Bible prophecy as the latter days. During those latter days, we read in prophecy that this Tarshish power would be a trading power operating in the region of Sheba and Dedan, or the Gulf states, Ezekiel 38 verse 13 again. Now we would suggest that the only power to fit these characteristics is the British power, because no other power fits all of these clues. It is reasonable, therefore, to identify Britain as the biblical nation called Tarshish. This being the case, then, the prophecies of the latter days are very interesting to note. So, for example, in Ezekiel 38, we read of the state of the nations in the latter days, just before Jesus Christ returns to the earth. Now, this gives us clues as to how we might expect the nations will be behaving. And as we've already mentioned, Tarshish is there in verse 13, and it's trading in the area of the Gulf with those southern Arab states called by their ancient family names Sheba and Dida. Set apart from these trading powers is described between verses, six, uh, verses 1 to 6, another block of nations who, we read, unite to invade Israel. Within this set of nations are grouped peoples who make up the EU, namely 
Magog and Goma. The Jewish historian Josephus, writing around 93 AD, records that Magog founded those that from him were called Magogites, but who are by the Greeks called Scythians. And that's in Josephus, Antiquities of the Jews. So Magog founded the Scythians. The Greek historian Herodotus gives us a detailed outline of the land of Scythia in his histories um, in book four, written around 400 BC. Now, he lists eight rivers which run through this area of Scythia, all of which are in Eastern Europe. They stretch from the river he called Istar, but that's the modern day river of the Danube, which originates in Germany, right through to the river Tanis, which we understand is the modern day river Don in Russia. So from these historical accounts, then, we learn that the Magog of Ezekiel 38 is the territory of most of Eastern Europe, inclusive of modern day Germany, Austria, Slovakia, Hungary, Croatia, Serbia, Romania, Bulgaria, Moldova, Ukraine, and even parts of Western Russia. Another name we come across in relation to the Northern Alliance found in Ezekiel 38 is the prophecy, in the prophecy, is Goma in verse 6. Again, it is Josephus who states that Goma founded those whom the Greeks now call Galatians, but were then called Gomerites. And interestingly, Gallia remains a name of France in modern Greek, which relates back to these Gomerites. The Greek historian Diodorus Cilicius tells us that another name for Galatia was Gaul in his work Bibliotheca Historia, book five, around BC 50. The area of Gaul was eventually conquered um, by the Romans, and then in turn it fell to the Franks in AD 486. The area of Gaul then became known as France. From this we can understand Vergoma in Ezekiel 38 to be describing Western Europe and in particular France. According to the Bible, then, we would expect these territories of the EU, the western side, the Gomorites, and the eastern side, the Magogites, to unite just before the return of the Lord Jesus Christ. We would not expect the British Tarshish power to be amongst them, but instead forging its own global relationships based on trade in the Gulf. For the Bible student, then, it is significant that since the Brexit vote, EU leaders have called for even further integration in Europe. And this is what we'd expect. The EU powers getting to the point where they can have an army and can collectively invade Israel with other allies as described in the prophecy. Back in June this year, Reuters ran an article entitled, quote, Germany and France to lead post-Brexit EU in further integration, end quote. The report stated, quote, more EU integration is a foregone conclusion and France and Germany will take the lead on post-Brexit reforms starting this year. The European Union's second in command said 
adding that he hoped the east-west split in the bloc would heal, end quote. In August 2017, the Express newspaper, famed for its Euroscepticism, ran an article entitled, quote, Revealed Plans for EU Army, Navy and Air Force Deployable Without National MPs Approval, end quote. And the article stated, quote, Euro MPs have drawn up terrifying plans for a complete EU Army, Navy and Air Force which could be deployed by Brussels without consulting member state parliaments. In a dossier compiled by the Liberal ALDE group, which is headed by Brexit negotiator Guy Verhofstadt, MEPs called for EU integrated military forces to intervene on behalf of the bloc across the globe. They say Brussels needs autonomous military capabilities, which would have their own budget, be under the direct command of Eurocrats and wear the EU ensign into battle. The document, which has no official weight and is likely to be rejected by member states, will nonetheless unnerve some politicians who fear the bloc is creeping towards ever greater militarisation, end quote. And just one more example. Last month, the French president, Emmanuel Macron, set out his vision for Europe. The Guardian news story was entitled, quote, Macron lays out future for profound changes in post-Brexit EU, end quote. It went on to say, quote, French president pr proposes deeper political integration. The speech was warmly um, received by the European Commission president, Jean-Claude Juncker, a very European speech from my friend Emmanuel Macron, he tweeted. What we now need is a roadmap to advance the Union Act 27. We have to openly discuss all ideas and decide before May 2019, Juncker said, referring to a summit he wants Romania to host on the 30th of March 2019, the day after Britain leaves the EU. In early December, the Commission will publish proposals for a Eurozone finance minister and other reforms. EU leaders will discuss the ideas at a summit later that month, end quote. So, we watch and we wait as we see the great powers of the day falling into place as God has determined they would and revealed according to his holy word. With the prophecies set out and the destiny of the nations foretold, we have a good idea as to the direction they will move in. And it would certainly appear that Brexit means Brexit. From this understanding of Bible prophecy, we conclude that ultimately the Eurosceptics will not have their way and Britain's destiny lies outside of the EU. Indeed, despite what man thinks, the Most High, God, ruled in the kingdoms of men, and he appointeth over it whomsoever he will, Daniel 5.21. And there is no power but of God. The powers that are ordained are of God, Romans 13.1. Soon the Lord Jesus Christ will return to raise the dead, conduct the judgment, gather his saints to himself, and then manifest the glory of God on the earth. He will save his people, the Jews, and establish and restore again the kingdom to Israel and sit on the throne of his father David. 
he will fulfill his promise to his disciples that they will sit on 12 thrones, judging the 12 tribes of Israel, Luke twenty-two thirty. And in that day, the prophecy of Isaiah 2 will be fulfilled, that the mountain of the Lord Yahweh's house shall be established in the top of the mountains and shall be exalted above the hills, and all nations shall flow unto it. And many people shall go and say, Come ye, and let us go up to the mountain of the Lord Yahweh, to the house of the God of Jacob. And he will teach us of his ways, and we will walk in his paths. For out of Zion shall go forth the law, and the word of the Lord Yahweh from Jerusalem. And he shall judge among the nations, and shall rebuke many people, and they shall beat their swords into plowshares, and their spears into pruning hooks. Nation shall not lift up sword against nation, Neither shall they learn war any more. Isaiah 2 verses 2 to 4. So let us be encouraged then by the signs of the times. Watch with us here in the Bible in the news as God's purpose unfolds until our Lord returns. This has been Matt Davies. Join us again next week, God willing.